Hey, welcome to the RV Travel Podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Fascinating journey this time around. You ever wonder who you can trust? Whose propaganda is closer to the truth than uh, somebody else's? Well, when it comes to the availability of new RVs for sale, we got uh, dueling propagandists. The manufacturing industry will tell us there's nothing out there and there won't be until the end of next year. But if you've been to the Hershey show, and probably to Quartzsite if you go there, or you've been on any dealer's lot, you got to wonder, how stupid do they think we really are? Well, our man Mike Sokol, all things electric, is his specialty, and he was at the Hershey show, so he will tell us a little bit about what he saw in that regard but also he will bring us up to speed on all the things we need to do to avoid a fire or other life-threatening mistakes we make with our RV, especially this time of year as we're getting ready to travel in the fall and the winter or we're getting ready to park our RV and store it for the winter time. Yeah, you want to save yourselves a lot of time, aggravation, and maybe a life or two. Mike's got some advice for us. We'll also take a quick look at a prototype RV that may well be the one that everybody strives for. I'll call it a smart RV. We're going to get a quick look at that as well. And it's all brought to you by Clear 2O Water Management, teardropshop.com, and campgroundviews.com. So stick around. Quick message. This uh, podcast is brought to you in part by our good friends at Clear 2O they make those RV inline water filters and the bigger filter that precedes the inline water filter. So you hook up to the pedestal, then you put your dirt guard 20 micron filter on there, and then you hook up your clear to ORV inline water filter. The dirt guard takes all the big pieces out so that your uh, water filter lasts a lot longer and does a better job. 20 micron, so it takes out the chunks. Then the inline water filter from Clear 2O takes out the little stuff down to one micron. That's all the smelly stuff. That's all the funny tasting stuff. Learn more about it. Free shipping on the lower in the lower 48 on a hundred dollar purchase or more. Check out the five-star reviews. It's all at clear2o.com. Well, so looking forward to this discussion because he's got so much to share with us. Mike Sokol, you know that byline at rvtravel.com. You also know of his expertise in all things electricity. Uh, Mike, welcome to the rvtravel.com podcast. Well, Scott, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I, I was I hesitated, and you heard that. So did everybody on the other end, uh, because I was about to say welcome home. And that's what we're going to talk about first. Uh, you had a big adventure, Mike Sokol's big adventure to Hershey, Pennsylvania, um, <laughs> which, uh, number one, every, everybody in the RV business at least knows that it's a, it's a big RV show. And number one, it's great that they had it this year. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're still in that mode. But number two, it sounds like a lot of exciting things happened there. Why don't you give us a quick overview of the Hershey show? Okay, so last year, of course, that did not happen. Um, I've been at the last five of them or so because I'm, I'm luckily I'm in Maryland. I'm basically an hour and a half away from Hershey, 
straight up 81. So I've all I've I've been to a pile of these things, um, and there was some worry that this was going to cancel out at the last minute, um, and there was also a worry that there would be no actual vehicles there yeah because you know yeah. the rv industry had been going on and on about we can't get them we can't sell them and we can't we don't have inventory but i suspect that they might have been holding a few rvs back you know holding a few cards back um to to play at hershey because i gotta tell you there were a lot of rvs out there well i, I just want to jump in on that because i agree i i don't know if we should believe these guys anymore i <laughs> I, I went to Montana last week uh, and drove the whole way, pulling an RV and driving past on some of the interstates, driving past a, a serious number of big RV dealerships. I would say almost a dozen all told on that route, about over a thousand miles each way. Their lots were chock full of new rigs. And I don't know that all of them have been spoken for already and are just awaiting delivery. I cannot believe that. So tell me more about what you learned about that whole availability thing. Well, the, you know, these things were for sale. I yeah. mean, I, I, I had all kinds of customers saying, yeah, I bought an RV today. This is great. So it wasn't like they were like demo vehicles or whatever. Uh, when I was at the Airstream International Convention last month, they swore up and down that there was not a single Airstream on a lot that wasn't already paid for. Yeah. Is, there were yeah. no, none for sale. This is what they flat out said. Um, here, I mean, there was everything. They had huge, I mean, Thor had a massive, huge section. And they had dozens and dozens and dozens of RV, you know, every kind of coach out there you could imagine. Um, and I, and, and was, the sales guys at least said these were for sale. Um, and I've experienced the same thing driving by, just casually looking and saying, well, there's a lot of RVs out there. But yet, when I have talked to a number of the manufacturers, um, they've said that the, the, a lot of the vehicles that they're building right now have got an 18 month yeah. on an 18 month waiting list. This is what they're telling me. So I don't know, uh, you know, I'm not sure who to believe on this, but all I know is there were there were a pile of RVs of all flavors out out at the show. Yeah, I, 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 I'm glad to hear that because there are still a lot of people, of course, looking for one. And uh, so it sounds like there may be a, at least a light at the end of the tunnel. We'll see how that all goes. Let's talk about some of the RVs that were for sale, first off. Number two, that were kind of interesting, that kind of intrigued you, maybe anything new and special and different? Well, I was really looking at a lot of the technology. That yeah, was really yeah. my main focus on things and you know of course i'm looking at there was not as much solar panel people represented there as i thought there would be um you know there were a few things but not a lot although i've seen more and more rvs that have got solar panels on the roof sure and you know yeah. and, and there are geo pros out there that they're starting to show that um but the um i i did see uh the cummins onan now has an onboard generator that's an inverter generator which is very, very interesting. So um, and, and that's one of those things that they're, they're promising to send me one of those. So we have, a, a, you know, there's stuff like that going on. But, you know, a lot of this was the usual suspects out there. It looked like every other show that I've seen. I mean, there was, you know, there was Jayco stuff. You know, there was Thor stuff. There, you know, there was Forest River stuff. 
I, I didn't I did not see a lot of new ideas which these guys now were claiming they're putting in the pipeline. And maybe that's what they're talking about. Um, I was expecting to see more of them that I would call boondocking equipped, just yeah, like the, yeah. um, just like the geo pro um, that I have right now, um, you know, that I'm ex- doing some experiments with. I didn't see as many of those as I thought, as I thought I would. So maybe that's what's happening. Maybe this is old stock that they haven't uh, updated yet, but not, and not as much lithium, you know, I didn't see as many people touting lithium power as, as I thought I would. It looked like a lot of that stuff was still, you know, let's call it uh, just basic stock, you know, batteries and, and such. Well, you know, that's kind of uh, disappointing to a guy like me on this, on the, on the, the fringes of what you do for, you know, uh, much more deeply. You'd think everybody would want to be innovating right about now if they want to find anybody who, I mean, the, the automobile guys are doing it. The truck guys are doing it. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But uh, there are so many new technologies out there. That, are they just not making it yet to RVs or are is there some other reason for it? Well, they swear that they're starting. They, they've started to engineer them and put them in. And I've, in fact, I've talked to a, a few manufacturers that I'm under NDA about, yeah. you know, the, the possibilities of these things. But they they basically have said that their their biggest problem is getting parts from you know out overseas. Yeah, what they need for these, and so they're stuck putting together what they can get, what they have, what they have available, and that seemed to be. Um, you know, what I've heard from several different manufacturers that they have plans for this stuff. So, for instance, they can't get 12-volt DC um, compressor refrigerators yet. So they're sticking back in the old three ways because that's all they've got. Hey, I, I um, vote for that, frankly. <laughs> but that's just me, I guess. <laughs> well, you know, the, the thing is there, there, there's, a, there's a couple of things coming on the horizon that could make uh, 12-volt DC refrigerators really, really useful for boondocking. Um, and this, in, this, in the same way with, um, you know, of, of course, lithium batteries are just a slam dunk. They, they really are. Um, so much, uh, so much more energy, and so much less weight, and you know, faster recharging. Um, although I've had a, a, a number of discussions with people about, you know, they just want to do drop-in lithiums, and of course, you have to be very careful to make sure your charging system is uh, is set up to be able to cr- provide the correct charging voltages. And if you're not careful, just dropping in a lithium battery into an older style converter, you could actually damage your expensive lithium battery if you're not careful well i now now you got me worried um let's let's talk a little bit about that because that is one of the things i'm pondering right now so if i have two in i think you call it inline uh or in series you know two 12 volt deep cycle batteries setting on the trailer tongue right I, I should not just go buy two lithiums and put them there instead. Well, well first off, if you have 12 volt batteries, they would be in parallel. Parallel, not okay. In series. Okay. If they were in series, you'd be making 24 volts, and bad things would happen. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, so, the way I'd be watching the smoke come out of the roof oh, or something. Oh, you, yeah, you would smoke a lot of stuff yeah. in there. Uh, yeah. But the key, the key, of course, is what you want to do is go look at and confirm what kind of battery converter you have. Uh, there's a really interesting interview I did a, f- a few months back with um, with Dennis Weiske from Progressive Dynamics, 
Um, and we go through all of the things that you have to worry about, things to look for in your converter charger for this. You may be able to just use a stock converter, um, but you probably will not be charging your lithium batteries above 80% state of charge with that. It just doesn't have sufficient voltage. On the other hand, you have to be careful. There is a mode in many of these chargers that's called desulfation, desulfication, sulfation, whatever. I can never remember how to say it. But basically, you get sulfides on the plates. Okay. And there's this thing that goes and blasts them off with this high-voltage pulse. This is for gold-flooded lead-acid batteries. If you leave that engaged and put your um, brand-new $1,000 worth of lithium batteries in there, it'll blow up the batteries. Wow. So you want to be careful, and warranty won't cover that. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, so, so, but, you know, you can provide a link here to, it's what it's on my YouTube channel. And yeah. Dennis and I, I, this is one of my Ask the Expert series. And he's like a walking Rolodex of <laughs> everything you could want to know about, uh, you know, chargers and converters. We go through this for like an hour and 15 minutes. We're okay. answering all kinds of questions about what to look for and how to look for it. So I would recommend that anybody that's contemplating a lithium battery upgrade goes and watches that video because okay. it will keep you out of trouble. Good. Uh, I'm going to go do that when we're done here. What's uh, what's the name of your YouTube channel so everybody can make a note? My of YouTube channel is RV Electricity, one word. So if, yeah, if you just go in there on YouTube and look up RV Electricity Sokol, you know, yeah. don't, don't put two words because everybody has RV and stash yeah. or space electricity, but I'm apparently the only one with RV Electricity, one word. Great. Um, and put Sokol in. You'll see it. It'll have my RV Electricity logo up there. And right within it will be a lithium battery charging thing. And of course you can find the link to that easy enough and just post it in comments if you like or right. wherever. Right. Well, that's good. And that'll be very useful. Um, let's get back to Hershey for just a minute. Um, because I am, yeah, you know, most of us didn't go. Some of us wanted to go. Um, anything else that came out of there? What, what kind of questions were you being asked? Because you had multiple roles while you were there. So what are the things that people really wanted to talk about that, that maybe are hot topics these days? The, one of the biggest ones was solar panels. They really wanted to know about it. Um, and I didn't have enough time to go through it. I could spend a whole hour class on yeah. solar panels without even trying. Mm -hmm. And you know, part of the problem is I have a one hour class. I'm supposed to do everything. Um, although we did get a lot of people interested in uh, testing pedestals. Once I kind of showed them the things that could go wrong, they got very, very interested in it. I think sold a lot of meters <laughs> because, you know, now they're, they're beginning to see the issues. And I did talk to a number of the manufacturers that said, because I said, look, if somebody goes and blows up their RV's electrical system, you know, through a miswired pedestal or whatever. What's the availability of parts? And they all told me late 2022. Wow. So if you if you go blow up your RV right now, take something out, getting a part before the next year, end of next year is very, very iffy. So I, I, I heard that probably from a dozen different suppliers that they're – they're in such a panic to get parts. Yeah. They are, of course, not stocking for the repairs. They're they're stock they're they're using those parts to build new RVs. Yeah. So yeah. so I, I think that's one of the the messages that came across to so many people because they said I'm having problems with this that or the other thing. Where can I get parts? And yeah. my my dealer says they can't get them. 
is that true? And I said, oh, yeah, it's true. They can't get them. Now, if anybody from Tometic is listening, please put a rush order on my new awning. And again, I I tend to focus on the electrical things. I know I'm a little myoptic about that. But but if if I don't do it, nobody else does, apparently. So it, I, I really, really worry about that kind of thing. So, so I, I think that, um, you know, that's the, the, those are the kind of the takeaways from that. People are, in fact, um, they are, in fact, concerned about, um, you know, boondocking. I had a lot of people, at, like I said, they were asking about solar panels. I was trying to direct them to any places that were selling them. Sadly, a lot of them were just, you know, they're doing this, this little 100-watt solar panels, all you need to do your RV, and that's not true. You need five or six or 800 watts worth of solar panels to accomplish most anything. And, and I, I still had people asking about CPAP machines. I didn't even know a CPAP machine existed five years ago, to, to tell you the truth. Well, be grateful. <laughs> well, all good, all good. But, but they're wanting to know what can they do to run them through the night. And, you know, this all comes down to the amount of power that's, you know, that, that you need to do this sort of thing. So I did a lot of side consulting. Yeah. Um, you know, where people will come up and say, oh, by the way, what do you know about this? And I go, I know something about this. Um, and, and away we go. Now, they did not have the room or the, uh, the time to allow me to take my GeoPro, to take my GeoPro there. Um, but I could, have e- I could have easily done that and had another thing. So it looks like that um, what they told me from the Hershey show was I was the highest attended a seminar for the technicians because I also did a technician class. I think I had like 70 technicians in there for six hours. Wow. And also probably the highest attended one for most of the, the hour long shows during the, I shouldn't say show, but hour long seminars during the day where I just did general electricity. But it may be that next year, if all goes well, I may actually go take five or six, you know, 10 foot, foot sections outside and bring an electric vehicle with me oh cool to demonstrate well we're going to talk a little bit more about related topics but i'm going to give you a moment to take a breath while i pay a few bills around here that is mike sokol i'm scott linden this is the rvtravel.com podcast stick around we got a lot more on that and i have some questions about that new ford truck and cold weather and how to prepare for it so everybody stick around we've got more coming up right after this You know, this part of the RVTravel.com podcast is brought to you by my friends at Teardrop Shop. If you've got a little guy, a tab, an R-Pod, or any other teardrop, or if you built your own, and boy, that is a cool project. They've got all the accessories, all the parts, anything you need for your teardrop, it's at teardropshop.com. There's a military discount. You can get a discount just for signing up for their newsletter. Get 10% off. Just go to teardropshop.com shop.com and take a look at all the apparel and gifts the 12 volt accessories electronics towing and leveling gear sewer and water stuff cool t-shirts mugs etc and if you're in uh kind of in the market for gifts they've got all sorts of things there as well remember military discount 10 percent off if you sign up for the newsletter it's all at teardropshop.com and that mike Sokol is your cue. Welcome back to the RVTravel.com podcast. 
I, I'm, I'm in, still here. I'm yes, here. Yes, yes. yes, but at least you got a chance to get a little coffee or something, which reminds me, <laughs> I think I got some waiting for me too. So all the better. Um, uh, coffee sounds pretty good about now. It's starting to get down below freezing at our place at night. And um, we're still out there. You know, I do most of my travel is in the fall and the winter. I mean, in the snow sometimes. And and this is a topic that a lot of people are very confused about, including this guy. There's so many mistakes we can make, and I've learned them all. I've replaced a water heater. I have replaced a toilet valve. All sorts of things in the, in the plumbing world that I blew, pardon the pun, just by not preparing for winter. But what about on the electrical side? What are the most important things we should put on our to-do list, whether we're storing for the winter or we're using our rig in the winter? Electricity-wise, what should we do? Well, one of the things that's, that, that's really, really important, and it's not exactly in the winter, but it's back in the spring after the winter that a mm-hmm. lot of people don't realize. So, so let's say you drain your hot water heater, your water heater out, which you should, of course, if you're not going to be using this thing. Um, you drain it all out. The first thing you do in the spring, if you, if you turn the electric heater element on without the tank already being filled with water, oh, yeah. you will burn that element out in a matter of a minute or two. Wow. So, and that's just one of those little <laughs> things I guess you got to learn. Um, and now, some people assume that that was what creates a hot skin condition, and that can if you've also lost a ground wire. But the fact of the matter is, uh, if you're properly grounded, that that can't create a hot skin condition, hot skin condition, but voltage condition. But what it does do, of course, is you you've lost your water heater element. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that people have got to understand. Um, if you're doing things um, with space heaters in, in the winter, and I see people do this all the time, um, those are rather dangerous to run inside of an RV. You never, ever want to use a portable space heater on any kind of a power strip. Oh. Power strips are, are, are just not built as heavy as a real outlet, and I, I will see fires and deaths from power strips and and homes and RVs as soon as it starts getting chilly out. So ideally you would go and plug your, your, your space heater directly into a receptacle. Now I will also tell you that RV receptacles with those stab type connectors on the back really don't do well with continuous loads from electric space heaters. And if you can, if you can, they should probably should be replaced with real commercial grade receptacles, real commercial grade outlets. Um, and I've even seen this in a number of RVs that have got built in, let's call them electric fireplaces. And behind them, there will be an outlet that's just one of those stab type connectors. And that is, they don't actually screw wires onto the back of the, the, the outlet. They just kind of stab through the insulation. But, um, and I've seen a number of those burn up. So if you smell something hot, guess what it means? Well, you, you could have, you know, electrical wiring overheating, you know, if you're running this during the winter. Um, and the other thing that I would say that anybody should do is periodically open up their automatic transfer switch and go through and check the torques on all of the terminating screws. And, of course, you want to do this with the power off. I've written a number of articles about that. 
Um, your ATS is the thing that's going to have all of this stuff going through it, your, automatic, your generator transfer switch if you have one. Um, and so those should be tested at least once a season. If you haven't done it already, now is the time to buy a basic torque screwdriver and uh, go through that. Like I said, I've got tons and tons of discussions and postings about that over on my Facebook group, on my RV Electricity Facebook group, which is, interestingly enough, you know, Facebook slash group slash RV Electricity. Yeah. Um, and we'll go through, you know, those kind of things. Uh, the, the other thing that I would say that people tend not to do um, is to, you know, go ahead and, you know, make sure that their underside is properly insulated. And, and also, if you have tank heaters, make sure that those are turned on during the winter. Um, that's just another thing that you can forget to do. And then you can have burst pipes and all those other little things. Uh, also know that lithium batteries do not like to be charged when you get close to freezing. But many of them have heater blankets already built either on the outside of them or inside of them. So this is why you want to talk to somebody that actually does lithium battery installs. I am not sure that the average person is ready to just go drop these things in Yeah, yeah. without some consulting. Uh, although a lithium battery can easily discharge you know, down below zero if you, are try if you try to charge them. The, the newest battery management systems, what they call the BMS, should not allow them to charge. Um, now, one thing also to be aware of is you really don't need to bring your lithium batteries in and put a slow charger on them over the winter. All you've got to do is disconnect them. They lose less than 1% of their charge per month. I mean, I've, I've set a lithium battery out for a year, and I came back, and it's still at 80 plus 85% capacity. Wow. I guess so that's let, one of the good the reasons to have them. <laughs> oh, really? oh, no, 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 they really do. They, they, you know, it is amazing, although what you have to do is make sure that you put a disconnect switch, because if you don't, things like your carbon monoxide detectors and all that, will, you know, they'll, they'll flatten those things out in a matter of days. Um, it's it just because it just draws so much current. So, you know, there's a lot of good reasons for lithium, but you also have to be um, careful about, um, you know, you know what, no, about moving things around. And I, and I still have people every time, you know, what they do, and this is what they do in the spring too. They take their batteries out, which are heavy to begin with, mm -hmm. and they put them in the garage and they put a, um, a maintenance charger on them, which yeah. is an okay thing to do. That's okay. And then what they do is they come back in the spring and they put the batteries in backwards. Oh boy! And they get the polarity reversed. I get. I will. I guarantee you. I will get dozens and dozens of emails in the spring when that happens, and they'll say, "I forget." how to hook it up. So here's something that you can do that's really easy. If you're going to take anything apart, take a picture. It will last longer. Take, <laughs> literally, take literally. Literally, it will last longer because you'll say, oh, where's the black going? Where's the red going? Where's this green wire going? They wow. don't know. Oh, and then wow. they'll call me. What color should they go? And I'm like, well, this is like the days of the week. You know, it just depends who was building the RV that particular day, what color wires they may be using. Yes. Because <laughs> um, I've looked at multiple ones. I'm going, every one of these is wired different. So you should take pictures. And if all the wires are black, what you do is you go get some white electrical tape and you put around it and you put numbers or letters on them. Sure. So that you can, I mean, this is the easiest thing in the world. Now we all have cameras built into their phone, in our phones. 
this will save you so much grief and money and heartache in the spring when you go to hook stuff back up. Um, and, 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 and I feel sorry for some of these people. I'm going, you should have taken a picture. Or they'll rip out a thermostat. Go, I don't remember where the wires go. I'm going, take a picture. I mean, if there's one thing you can get from this podcast, if you're going to take anything apart, take a picture. Take multiple pictures. It's cheap. Uh, back when I got into the newspaper business, uh, the editors would say, shoot, shoot rolls and rolls of film when you're out there covering something. Film is cheap. Well, now no, we don't know. Right. We don't even have to worry about film. Right, Phil doesn't. You know, when when I was, I, you know, I was kind of a plant photographer for you know when I worked at Corning Glass back in the seventies, and this is how I got reasonably good with a thirty-five millimeter camera. Sure, because I would go shoot ten rolls of film a day, easily. I would be doing all the packaging machine lines and you know the stuff back in the shop and all the things were happening. And then at the end of the day, we would get a runner to take it up to the the the, the one day quickie you know <laughs> film shop, right? And then bring slides back, and then the next day, I, you know, I say bring me back another. 20 rolls and of course a, a regular person you know my dad would say, i'm going to save a couple more pictures on the end of this roll right when you're doing it with a little brownie camera you, you save those for weeks right yeah but when you're shooting industrial you just shoot your and, and you're doing something for a um a, a, a you know, newspaper trade so the media you just shoot everything you can and you're right nowadays it, there's absolutely no excuse not to take pictures because you you can shoot a hundred, you can shoot a thousand. You don't like it, you need to delete them later. Exactly. Hey, we're running short, but I do want to talk about two more things. The first is uh, in all of the discussions you had, whether it was at Hershey or anywhere else, what is the the biggest, most common, dangerous uh uh, thing that we RV travelers do that is that we should avoid at all costs. I, I, I think that well, I, I still have a lot of people that have gotten shocks from RVs that don't yeah. take them seriously. Yeah. And, and, and that just, so I've got shocked before it's no big deal. And it went away when the ground dried up. I thought, well, your problem didn't go away. You just didn't feel the shock. Um, and they are doing stuff without meters. I think everybody ought to have a basic meter, and everybody should take it seriously. If they feel a shock from anything, that is the time to stop and go look at this to avoid getting very – you know, you can get seriously injured or killed. Oh, God. From, from this kind of thing. I, I heard about uh, an RV park uh, at a shooting range that I go to. The dog jumped out of the RV and dropped dead. Yes. Um, I've also done a, a, some work with the equestrian groups, uh -huh, uh -huh. you know, so they have horses and a horse is, they're very sensitive to shock. They've got wet noses and, you know, their hoofs are not insulated because they're standing in pee all the time, yep. which is a very, very good conductor. And there's a number of horses that have died by putting their nose on, um, you know, their, their horse trailer. Mm -hmm. that have been plugged in without that. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's a, a really, really important uh, point is you don't have to know everything, but you do need to know if you feel a shock, stop what you're doing and unplug this thing because it, it, it can be very, very dangerous. And, you know, and, and you want to, you want, everyone wants to be safe. Um, you know, I've, I've had a, I've had discussions with dozens of people just up at Hershey asking me about that. And I go, well, you know, there, you don't want to be a scared of everything, but yet 
you know, you, you look at a campground and those poor pedestals lead a very, very sad life. And I think the one, one important thing you can say about a campground, if you have an old campground and there's a new pedestal in there, you want to measure that very carefully because that was likely installed by a work camper that it was probably not trained in electrical installation. And anything is possible with that thing. So when you talk about measuring and meter, uh, define a few of those things for us. Just, I, we're, not, we're never going to have your talent or skills or background, but what do we do? What, do we, what kind of meter are we using and what do we do with it? The simplest thing, and I pioneered this about starting about 10 years ago. You get something that's called a non-contact voltage tester. And it looks like a fat pen. And I, I've written about that dozens and dozens of times. All right. And you turn that on. And even though it says it's rated for 90 to 1,000 volts, if, you're, if you're the skin of your RV or the pedestal or any of that stuff is 30 or 40 volts above ground, when you get close to this thing, that thing's going to beep. And it's not just the skin of the RV; it's the chassis of the RV. It's the it's it's the the the, the, the you know the wheels on it. It's your tow vehicle that's hooked to it. Yeah. Um, and and if you see that, then you're going to want to unplug immediately. So those are really really interesting, and they're cheap. Uh, the other thing, and I really recommend that everybody gets some sort of a total electrical protection surge protector, uh, often called an EMS. Because campground power now is under such stress. It was never designed for the, the loads that we're asking it to do right now. Yeah. And when the voltage starts getting down close to 100 volts, that's when you will burn up your air conditioner. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, and, you know, and you just look at, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to come up with a, a, a number of studies. I may have a way that could improve campground power by 3 to 5% without costing the campground anything except for labor but i've got to go do some testing on that i've got to tell you fi finding grants for this kind of stuff is really really hard <laughs> oh. nobody seems to want to know i uh, that i believe all right the other thing i want to talk about uh, by the way you're listening to the rvtravel.com podcast i'm scott linden your host that's mike sokol all things i'm going to call you the electrical guru um <laughs> rather than your highness or your majesty which i know is what you prefer but um actually i am a professor you know. okay so i, 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 I am I, I am an adjunct professor uh, so there yeah. we go but no 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 just call me mommy, whatever. <laughs> you can call me anything except late for dinner right um geo pro tell me more i'm intrigued that the, the, it's getting really, really interesting because I, I have a prototype unit that's still not in production yet. Um, it has a stock 400 amp hour lithium battery in it, uh, 580 watts, I think, of solar panels on the roof, and one of the slickest hybrid inverters that I've ever played with. And I think hybrid inverters are the, the little thing that most people don't even know what any of that stuff is. And it's absolutely brilliant because you can plug that into like like a boot, uh, pedestal at, or not pedestal an outlet at home like uh -huh. boot stocking they call yeah. it you know and when you're going to go to the brother-in-law's house and plug in but he's got other stuff on there and you can say i only want to use 10 amps maximum from the line but when you need more than that inside the inverter takes from the battery and adds it and blends it into the 10 amps from the from the shore power cord so now it'll make 20 or 30 amps, whatever it needs. And whenever it doesn't need that full 10 amps in there, it will just go ahead and recharge the batteries. 
And that thing will run the air conditioner on the roof for just about four hours on battery alone. Wow. Battery alone. And I'm like, oh, baby, this is pretty, pretty slick because this appears to be the holy grail. Everyone wants to be able to run off of batteries, you know, for their air conditioner at night. I mean, that is the big thing. And when you go boondocking, well, you know, that you, you would like to have a few home comforts if you can can get them. So, uh, like I said, this is a, a really, really interesting thing. I've, I'm seeing a number of the other manufacturers beginning to do that sort of thing. This is the first one that I, they've actually let me play with. Um, and they've said that they said that I can do anything I want to do to it. <laughs> Isn't that the craziest darn thing? Oh, yeah. I can't wait to, to see it and find out what you actually do to it. It sounds to me, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not that kind of guy. I can't figure I, I have a, a TV that's smarter than me. Uh, but it sounds like this is, in a lot of ways, a smart RV. It, it is truly. It truly is. Um, and what they've done is they've made the integration of the solar panels and the the hybrid inverter and the all you know all the other stuff is actually pretty transparent to the end user there's only a few settings that you've got to worry with you can say i would like this to to run up to 30 amps or 20 amps or 10 or you know you can do it in one amper increments and the rest of it you've got some panels in there to show you your state of charge and you know how much you're getting from solar and other bits and pieces. The other thing that I really like about this, which is not electrical, it's got a shower big enough that I can stand up in. And okay. I'm six foot one. Where do I sign up? <laughs> I, 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 you know, it's the first thing I do when I go and I look at an RV and I go in there and I'm going, you know, I'm leaning over to stand in this shower and I'm not thinking I like this a whole lot. And I, maybe, maybe I'm spoiled. I don't know. Um, but, you know, that's one of my, my go-to tests, you know, for an RV that love I it. may like. Love it. We didn't get around to the new Ford truck. You've, uh, you know, you've kind of talked a little bit about it in our last discussion. And maybe the next time we talk, we'll, we'll, you'll have more miles on it and we can get a better feel for what, how, what it's really doing and how it's functioning. For now, though, you're going to have to learn more at one of Mike's websites or other locations. Mike Sokol, where do we go if we want to kind of just get deep into your world what's the if, best if you, address if you want if you want to if you want to spend a few weeks just reading stuff yeah <laughs> just go to rvtravel.com and in the um the place where it's you know the search engine put in sokol s-o-k-o-l or rv electricity one word there you go and 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 i have like 500 last i think i have 550 articles there alone posted well that'll keep and, me busy for a night or two it, it, it will. And most of these are quite in depth. I generally don't do short articles. A lot of my things are like 2,500, 3,500 words long. Um, and if you really want to learn more stuff, you know, I, I do have my RV electrical safety book available over on um, on Amazon. Great. Um, and, you know, that's a really, really good primer on, you know, what watts are and volts are and all the bits and pieces. And, you know, and I tell everybody, you know, that, that, that knowledge is power. Um, there's nothing more make you feel more bad and helpless than you know something doesn't work and you don't even know where to where to begin. Yeah, that's uh, me. Troubleshoot. That's and, me. And I've, I've I've been troubleshooting stuff since I've been a tiny little kid. Um, you know, starting with my why does my electric train not work? <laughs> um, when I was basically four or five years old, this is when I actually started doing electrical stuff. I love it. Um, and so I, I I've got and and I think that same wonder of discovering electricity when I was 
four or five years old is what I try to bring to people in my classes. I, I teach you like I learned when I was a, a, a taught. There you doing go. Doing this stuff. So and, and and I think and I think that's important because you don't have to go into all of the deep physics that I go into for engineering, but the basics are just it's just a wonderful, wondrous thing. It really is. Well, there you go. Tesla, Edison, Sokol. Mike, ah! so good to talk with you. Glad you had a good time at Hershey. Thanks for bringing us up to speed on the RVTravel.com podcast. Okay, Scott, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Bye-bye. The rest of you, one more item for you, and that is that the rest of this program, and actually the whole program now that I think about it, generally speaking, is brought to you in part by campgroundviews.com. If you haven't gotten there yet, now is the time. You know, it's fall and we're taking our trips because the kids are back in school and we got a little bit more freedom and access. If you want to drive through, virtually drive through any campground and take a look at specific sites whether they're available you'll learn that first off on the dates you want and what it looks like what the view is like how close the neighbors are is it level does it have you know uh, plant growth of any sort it's all at campgroundviews.com they've even got a great seven-day trial check it out campgroundviews.com i use it when i'm traveling and it helps a whole heck of a lot because my wife can preview those places as well, so we're all happy when we finally arrive. And that'll about do it for us here at the RVTravel.com podcast. So glad you could join us. Mike Sokol, always great to talk with you. And as Mike said, and as I say often, check out all the articles. There are 11,000 of them at RVTravel.com. You need a subject, just search for it. You need an expert, He's there. She's there. Anything you need in the way of destinations, advice, ideas, clever uses for products that you never thought you'd be taking with you, it's all at rvtravel.com. I appreciate your listening, of course. If you will do us one big favor, tell one friend about the rvtravel.com podcast. I would be most appreciative. That's how we grow. Until I see you on the road, I'll see you here next time on the RVTravel.com podcast.